Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. So our speaker tonight, I am the favorite announcing here, because Jimmy's gone and I know her well. So uh, our speaker tonight is Allie, and Allie's really cool, and she's done a lot of cool things. Uh, <laughs> she is co-founder of Monroe House of Prayer, um, and she works, she is a missionary overseas, yes, and um, the, my favorite thing that she's doing right now is helping take care of my dad who has yeah. dementia, and it's just the greatest gift. So she's a humble servant, but um, she really loves the Lord, and she loves to hear from him, so welcome to Awesome. Cool. Well, it is, it's awesome to be with you guys. Um, I'll give you a little bit about my background, testimony, all that stuff, and then um, I came on a mini secret mission on Father's Day to kind of check you guys out. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to really try to serve people, you need to figure out a little bit about who they are and what they're doing. And because I'd never been to your church, I kind of tried to sneak in on Father's Day, see what was going on. And the Lord gave me a very clear word. So here we are. Um, but yeah, so as uh, Bridget said, my name is Ellie. I, um, I, I was born in Toledo. I'm the fourth of five kids. I grew up in a very small little house down the road from Schmucker's Pie. Uh, was born in that house. I'm sure that my mom probably got an order of pie afterwards. Um, and yeah, I spent my first couple years here in Toledo. Uh, my parents my mom has a Catholic and Jewish background, and my, my dad has a um, Quaker slash kind of not so much church background, and so I always tell people that I'm like double dipped in guilt. So <laughs> I have survived all of those things, and um, my parents met um, in Young Life, and so that's a really prominent ministry here in this region, and so they, they met in college. They both got saved separate places in high school and met in college as leaders, and then um, kind of we forged our way into being kids that were around Young Life and around high schoolers and all that that type of ministry and that led our family to move to Blissfield, Michigan and so I spent most of my growing up years out in the country barefoot and feel very <laughs> comfortable barefoot um, just running around and um, just being a kid. Um, so the church that we were a part of was Westside Community Church which is um, very much a church that uh, expresses the fivefold ministry that operates in the fivefold was very pioneering in um, the 70s and 80s and, and 90s here in the city in terms of being outside the four walls you know I my formative years as a child were always met at the University of Toledo I didn't know what it was like to meet regularly in a church building because we didn't have one um, and then almost kind of as soon as that season started where they were breaking ground and all that stuff <laughs> my parents felt like we were supposed to be in church closer to home and so we we went from I went from as a kid just kind of being in the spirit and understanding the gifts and worship and dance and all those sorts of expressions to being in a very um, kind of what I would describe like capped seeker friendly Bible church in the middle of cornfield in Ogden Michigan <laughs> and so that was uh, for me personally uh, just like a very like jolting thing because as a child um, I 
even though I couldn't quite articulate what um, I was definitely seeing or feeling, I, I was seeing and feeling a lot in the spirit. And it was playing out a lot in dreams. It was playing out a lot in um, areas of fear and intimidation and areas where, you know, I was seeing different, different things going on in the spirit, but not really knowing how to remedy those things or even know how it applied to the word. And so uh, fast forward, having a normal childhood, uh, running around doing, you know, all the Christian youth choir things, like all the youth group things. And um, in, in about middle school, I started just to have such a deep desire to start to pray. And so um, a little bit earlier than that, because I'm the fourth of five kids and there's nowhere to go to escape your siblings sometimes, I would climb out on the roof of my parents, my house, which no parent loves to hear that, but I definitely did that quite often and would make like a little corner space like between two of the windows and just sit down and just kind of talk to the Lord look out under the fields, have my quiet space. Nobody could find me because if you looked out a window, you like couldn't see me one way. And if you looked out a window, you couldn't see me the other way. And, um, and that kind of just became my space. And then if that, that wasn't the space, depending on weather and things like that, I would lock myself in the upstairs bathroom and I would put a sleeping bag in the tub and hope that nobody else needed to use that bathroom <laughs> and um, what was interesting about that is that that was actually the Lord showing me I was learning how to soak like as a little kid so I was learning how to quiet myself and create space that I needed in the midst of what was physically sometimes chaotic but also what was spiritually sometimes um, un like I un uninterpretable, I guess, is what I would say. It was hard for me to comprehend or even talk through. Um, and so I started just to build this friendship with the Lord through prayer and through conversation. Um, and as I was part of this traveling youth choir and all these sorts of things, we started to travel all over the world, and, or not the world, all over Michigan and um, Minnesota and just kind of the Midwest and share the gospel. And sing these you know christian songs and all these sorts of things and we started to have these teams of people instead of singing um which was a huge part of my life instead of singing there would be like these little groups of people that would just intercede um for the worship times and for the for the performance times and and in that i you know as somebody who loved singing i found myself like uh, volunteering like every night that I wanted to pray to the point where like the directors and stuff were like are you okay like is something going on like hey we would like you to do the solo and I was like no I just really feel like I'm supposed to pray and and what the Lord was was doing in me was he was he was building in such um such a desire and a hunger and uh, an addiction basically like to his presence to that friendship that we had built and so regardless of corporate assignments or regardless of what my friends were doing I knew I needed to have time with him and that needed to be built in and I needed to pray for things to move further and beyond what we you know hoped would happen in the performance or things like that you know praying for salvations and um, just healing and things like that and so as that started to unfold in my life um, I at about 14 and a half um, I had a, a situation come about in my life where I really needed to put all of my intercession and all my all my 
my savings of prayers that I'd kind of put into my account with the Lord to use. And so um, when I was a freshman in high school, I went to go see uh, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with some friends um, at a local high school. And my brother also went, he was a senior at the time with a friend. And I went with a, I went with one of my friends, but then, you know, after the performance and stuff, because my brother's a senior, if I got a ride home from him, then I could stay out later. So I was like, bye friend. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with my brother, which means that I could stay out later. And so in that like split second decision, I went with my brother, um, got into the vehicle and within 30 seconds, we got hit by a semi. And so in the midst of that, what, what really happened was, um, you know, we, we pulled out, um, out of this, uh, the high school onto the highway and my brother basically missed the lights of the semi that were kind of shielded by these rows and rows and rows of um, car dealerships because you know we always see that there's car, car, car dealerships usually around highways and stuff. And so um, because we were only going a mile down the road, I didn't need to wear my seatbelt, right? Like I just needed to work on my hair and I needed to make sure I was looking okay <laughs> as this awkward 14 year old that was about to hang out with a bunch of seniors. So I was busy doing that in the 30 seconds of my um, time. And so what happened was um, I was sitting in the back, my brother was driving and then his friend was next to him. And uh, all, all I just heard was someone say, oh my God, and I looked, and it was kind of like that movie situation where you see lights just get bigger, and it's slow. And then I was out, and then when I, when I came back, I was cold, I was lying on my side, my hair was down, I had blood in my hands, my hands were up by my side, and I didn't know where I was. And as I started to come to, I, I couldn't, I was laying on my left side, I could not move enough to get up but I was also losing so much blood that it was I was almost being suctioned to the pavement and so when I came to and realized this is real this isn't a dream this is where where was I just at I was in a vehicle now I'm not in a vehicle okay this is this isn't good um, and a month prior to that I being a country kid you know you've got animals all over the place whatever I happened to unfortunately come upon our uh, golden retriever who had been hit by a car and so I had found her in in the road about a month prior and we loved her and it was devastating and while I was laying there and realizing that like my life was leaving me I thought to myself I'm 14 years old and I'm gonna die like a dog in the road by myself and I laid there for about 15 20 seconds I had that revelation of what was going on because I was in so much pain and there was blood that I'd never seen before coming out of my body and I couldn't move the only thing I could do was pray and I knew I could pray and instead of pleading and petitioning with God I told him don't take me I'm not done here I didn't know where my brother was I didn't know where Betty was and I said don't take me don't take my brother I'm not done here and as soon as I got done praying as soon as I got done praying I felt this wave of electricity come out of my heart go out my head go out my fingers and toes and it was like a and then I just knew I was gonna be okay. I just had so much peace, the peace that surpasses understanding just hit me. And I was so sure 
even as I was laying there, still couldn't move, still was bleeding, everything else was still happening. I had so much peace that I started singing to the Lord, just laying there, singing, singing, I love you, Lord. We know that song. It's like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Right? Yeah, to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear, and may it be a sweet sound in your ear. And I just laid there singing it over and over until somebody came over to me. And so as that person came over to me, they started to help me, check me out, get me moved at that. I still didn't know how my brother was doing. And the long story short, praise God, um, my brother, um, who is like 6'5", and was like a state wrestler, so he was in really good shape, um, was in very bad shape at that point. And so they transferred me to a hospital, and they started to life flight my brother. And now, mind you, my brother, as he was getting life flighted to Ann Arbor, one of the nurses that was on call in that helicopter was the mom of one of the kids that used to be in our youth choir when we were in middle school. And from like Saginaw, like not from like, you know, lower Michigan. And she recognized my brother. And so she, because it's not hard to miss my brother, and um, she was at his head and she just prayed the whole life flight over him. And so my brother um, made it through, praise God, and I made it through as well. Um, and I had no broken bones. I was released at like two in the morning <laughs> to go home. And now, mind you, I looked like I had gone a few rounds with Rocky, um, <laughs> and I looked terrible, but I had no broken bones. I walked out of that. Um, and, and from that point, I started to really understand the power of my agreement. And mind you, I didn't have the theology for it, but I understood as a friend of God, I didn't have to come as a pauper to Jesus. I could come with not only expectation, but I could come with a spirit of um, declaration to the Lord and, and have a place where I knew, hey, this isn't for me. This isn't my portion. I'm not done. And, and I'm, I'm coming to you <laughs> with this request. And so from that point, I started to have this awareness of that, but because my theology or maybe the surroundings around me in terms of the church was not displaying those things, I didn't know how to remedy it. So a lot of my spiritual life became very internalized, and I continued on in my kind of normal high school world that a you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old would do. But, but the other thing I experienced in that was that every year until I was 20 years old, I lost a friend in a car accident. And so what that did was it instilled in me not just this place of like survival, survivor's guilt, but also a place of saying, what am I doing? Even though I was only 15 or only 16 or only 17 or only 18 or only 19 or only 20, I was still in that position where I told God I wasn't done here. So, so what was I doing? I still had an assignment, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of any of those things. And so what that did was that set me on a collision course of really trying to do what all my friends were doing, but rec recognizing very quickly it just wasn't going to work out that way. So I have like, ha I have like four half degrees <laughs> in university. Um, and from that, basically, um, it set me on a collision course to want to know God more and just actually 
share him with other people. So when I was 20, I ended up doing a, a basic discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission, which Lauren has also done. She went to a way cooler place than I did. She went to Hawaii to do missions. Don't we all wish we went to Hawaii to do missions? No, I'm just teasing. They also need the Lord. <laughs> um, I went to Montana and I did my training. And, and the reason why I went to Montana was that um, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. and He said, go somewhere where you've never been, where you don't know anyone. I'm jealous for you. And so at that point, I also didn't know that that was a, a biblical phrase that the Lord would use, that I'm jealous for you. So, so again, in those places of hearing his voice, of, of knowing his comfort, of knowing the connection I have with him, um, it continued to forge on, well, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. This is where I have to go, regardless of the fact that I didn't see other people doing those things, saying those things. It was such a deep um, revelatory understanding that I could trust him, trust his ways. And so it propelled me forward. And so when I was 20, I did my first mission school um, I was surrounded by people from all over the world that um, were worshiping the same Jesus, but in a totally unique way, in a unique cultural way. It was beautiful for me. I was understanding just the heights and depths of who he was, and it was starting to really line up um, with what I was experiencing in the spirit. Um, I found myself, you know, watching people <laughs> flop around like fish on the ground, you know, because the Holy Spirit was moving or start to pray in tongues or start to get healed and all these different things. And because some of that stuff was new to me or it was things that I experienced as a child, but I hadn't experienced as an adult other than the fact that he personally did heal me on the side of the road, it was an expression that I hadn't seen corporately. And so I remember one night, you know, we had these teachers that came in and they just said, all right, you know, we're going to look at the gifts of the spirit that are in Romans and Corinthians. And you just got to ask the Lord, like, what gift is he going to give you? You know, and so as I'm seeing all these people basically looked like the circus, like just doing all these different things. <laughs> I sat back with my little NASB Bible and I just looked through my list and I was like, discernment. I want the gift of discernment <laughs> because if this isn't you, then I want to get the heck out of here because I don't want any part of it. And you know what the Lord did in my little bratty state? He honored that. So what I have found that has been such a blessing for me in all these years of serving him is actually walking in the gift of discernment walking in understanding of spirits and also walking in understanding of even just where people are operating you know how what is their motivation are they operating out of soulish desires are they operating out of a real fear of the lord because because <laughs> from an outside perspective it could actually look like the same thing um because they could both look crazy right or they could both look really conservative right so understanding that the gifts are for everyone um, the gifts are for free you can ask the lord for those things um, but the non-negotiable of of the spirit is the fruits of the spirit so you can have all those gifts but they can operate in a totally wrong spirit and then it's the wrong gift at the wrong time the wrong people so so in that the lord started to really teach me how to major in the fruit <laughs> so that the gift would actually operate in a healthy way. Um, so I did my outreach in South America. I loved it. And I just thought to myself, oh, this is it. I figured it out. 
all I need to do is love God and love people. I just want to do that. And so, of course, like any good uh, character that we read in the Bible, the Lord speaks to them, and then there's just delay. <laughs> there's constant <laughs> delay. So I found myself kind of uh, shipwrecked back in southeast Michigan, you know, working with my local church, not off in the nations, doing all those sorts of things, in just a place of surrender and just waiting. And in that place, that seed and that desire for the nations, for just the, um, the understanding of how to see just people saved and healed and delivered, all that stuff uh, come to pass in my life, um, I, just wait, I just waited. So in the midst of all my friends, you know, getting married, having kids, going to school, doing all these sorts of things, I was like, Oh, like biding my time like okay I know I know I said I'm not done here and I'm not done out there and um so of course in in perfect God fashion he brought about the vehicle for me to go out into the nations to uh, be a nanny for one of my friends and you're saying what nanny that's so random but not to God because in the place of surrender what happened one of my good friends that I did a school with, she, um, she was an incredible dancer, a worshiper, and when she got done with our school, she found herself in a situation where, um, unfortunately, she was drugged, she was raped, and she was impregnated by a stranger. And uh, all while growing this sweet little baby girl in her womb, she knew she had a call to give her creativity, to give her dance, to give her art to the Lord and to, to missions. She couldn't do it by herself. And when she knew that she was meant to parent instead of um, give her child for adoption, um, she got a hold of me and she was just like, Ellie, I don't know why I'm asking you, but I'm going to go back with the art department. I'm going to go back with the dance company and with the missions organization. Would you, would you help me? Like, would you be with Shiloh so I could do this. And she's like, just five, like for like five months. And I was just like, yes, absolutely. And so I tell my, my family and my friends and they're like, Ellie, you are crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> like, why do you keep, you know, those, those loving but practical things, like why do you keep serving other people? When are you gonna do things for yourself? Like, this is just a distraction. This is a, a sidestep. This is da 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 you know? And, it's not that I wasn't asking, I wasn't necessarily asking for permission, and I wanna say this to this group, I feel like this is important. It's not that you're asking people for permission, but you're asking for blessings so they don't curse you in their prayers. And sometimes we find ourselves sharing our prayer requests with people that are actually gonna pray against the very thing that God has asked us to do simply because they're afraid. And fear can really disguise itself as wisdom, and, and we understand in scripture, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so when we live in a world that is full of anxiety and fear and depression and all those sorts of things that have been, that have been actually really um, normalized and accommodating, people that we love, our family members, our best friends, our parents, our siblings, however, whoever these people are, you name it, they can be, unfortunately, the very people that are like putting a cap on some of the spiritual endeavors and callings and disciplines and things that we're, we're meant to do. So I really had to push through that. I had to find the balance between honoring my parents and honoring people, but also fearing the Lord. So what is that? It doesn't look like me retaliating. It just looks like 
thank you. Like, we'll just keep praying for me because I really feel like this is what the Lord has, like, so on and so forth. I can, I can feel the brain matter frying in this room. You guys are thinking, you're thinking through all that stuff that <laughs> you've asked people to pray for. And you're like, I wish I didn't ask that person to pray for me because I got an earful and it wasn't from the Lord. No, we bless, we bless all those people that in their, their good intentions, you know, the Peters in our life where the Lord's like, hey, going to the cross, going to be crucified, you know, I'm going to be, be uh, killed, you know. And he's like, no, me and never be. And he's like, what do you say? Get behind me, Satan, right? And so sometimes those good intentions, those things that can come out in love are actually the enemy totally speaking through people we really love. Um, so what I did, I packed up my little car and I drove, drove uh, cross country and I served my friend. I loved on her little baby. Uh, she danced and she gave her gift. And then the course of me serving and <laughs> walking little Shiloh up the mountain almost like every day, um, the Lord started to speak to me about my next move, which was going to be in the nations. And so in that time of quiet, he opened up the door that would lead for me to go out into the nations. And so I ended up moving to Australia about six months later <laughs> and being part of the same organization. Um, but using some of my nursing skills and things like that to good use where I was running pretty soon running free clinics in different places and, and run, running primary healthcare schools and things like that. And so I did that for several years where Australia was my home base and I went out into Africa and Asia and the Middle East from there. And then transitioned into working with anti-trafficking ministries where we would go again into Asia and into Middle East and different places. And then um, eventually transitioning to um, moving to South Africa, which was deeply on my heart to live on the continent, Af continent of Africa. And moving there in a time when South Africa was about to host the World Cup and they were legalizing prostitution at that time so they could service all of the foreigners that were coming in to experience the World Cup. And so, you know, they were literally taking city grids <clears throat> and sectioning them off. And it'd be kind of like if, they, if, if our city council decided here in Toledo, they're like, okay, we're about to host, you know, this premier um, sports event. And so we're just gonna make sure that everybody feels good and comfortable and feels like, you know, they're having a great time here in Toledo. So we're just gonna decide, all right, you know, this section of Central from Talmadge to Secor, prostitution's legal, but you know, this section from Secor, you know, to Monroe Street, no prostitution. But then this section from, so imagine like that's what they were doing like all over in every, every city that was hosting, you know. And so my team, you know, part of our responsibility was to, was to pray against that and to go to those stadiums and to go to those different places and to go to the different um, border uh, cities and entryways even that were coming in through um, from Zimbabwe and um, Swaziland and um, Lesotho and different things like that and just pray. And so the Lord's just started to give us just profound strategy regarding those things. And what was so beautiful about that, and I don't know if there's any intercessors in the room, but I believe there are, that when you go on in a, a prayer assignment with the Lord, and it's not for the sake of being, you, 
especially if you're an intercessor, you're not just wanting to be weird for the sake of being weird. Even though people probably think that, um, you just want to be faithful. And so if the Lord tells you to take oil and walk down the street and just pray in spirit, then that's what you need to do. If the Lord tells you that you need to um, just station yourself, you know, at the, and at the outside of a stadium and just worship, then that's what you need to do. If, you know, so forth and so things. So within that, within those time frames, what we started to see that as the Lord started just to give us really simple places of exalting his name and, and strategizing in those places, we started to see um, things break down. We started to think, see things exposed um, to the point where like in the newspaper, some of the very phrases we were praying out were like, he like literal headlines to the point where once we got to uh, the capital, to Johannesburg, to Pretoria, we're praying outside all those things. Like they, they ended up disbanding and saying, oh, well, I guess we, we probably won't do that. Now, I'm not saying that it was because of our like little prayer team, but I'm definitely not saying that it's not. And so there's aspects of, of if, the, if the Lord is giving you assignments, you can't underthink it and you can't overthink it because he shares his secrets with his friends. And so even now, if there are specific things that you're praying about in your neighborhood, in your workplace, for your family, for um, the city of Toledo, you, you, you have to say yes, okay? And, and you find those friends and you find those people that you're sharing those dreams and those visions and those encounters and those understandings with simply because he's, he wants to partner with you. We, we are the army. We are the ones that are the ground troops. And, and there's aspects of what he's doing in the spirit that is, you know, breaking things up in order for the fruition of that breakthrough to happen in our city. So from that place, we started to... Um, after working with this anti-trafficking stuff, started to help um, pioneer House of Prayer in um, South Africa. We started to do a lot of inner healing and deliverance. Um, <clears throat> and from that, um, I knew that the Lord was really just encouraging me to uh, get to know the Holy Spirit on a more of a friendship level instead of like a work friend. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but sometimes we I, we can end up pulling on the Holy Spirit for like the gifts and the fruit and like all the work stuff, but like not just like get to know Him because He's a person and He's definitely the ultimate power source, but He's also like you know a person and He has feelings and you know He is. Uh, He's a counsel and he's a comfort and he's all these sorts of things. And so from that, the Lord uh, sent me on assignment to Mozambique to work with Iris Global. I did not know them. I did not know who they were other than I knew that they were an American couple that had adopted an African nation and that they had a spirit of adoption and had been taking care of a lot of orphans. And so from that place, I found myself um, getting a real education about the Holy Spirit as a friend um, and also just seeing, honestly, seeing the scriptures come alive in um, not just deliverance in, and I would say um, kind of the, the showdowns that we see, you know, like with Elijah and Elisha and, the, you know, the prophets and things like that. Not necessarily just those things, but actually seeing individuals healed, individuals, you know, whose lives had been marred by, you know, disease and by sickness and things like that where they miraculously would recover over and over to the point where there was like an expectation for that when um, we would you know lead um, outreaches on weekends and I'm sure Christina has talked to you about these things before Christina Dieselberg um, you know where where you kind of like 
get back from an outreach and you're like, oh, he didn't multiply the food? Oh, that's weird. Okay. Oh, but he did like people like regain their sight, right? And like people, oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, the expectation for that was there, not, and I'm not saying that in an annoying or a patronizing way. I'm saying because that's normal. That's, that's what the kingdom does. <clears throat> when the kingdom comes, everything else has to bow. It has to shift. And so in that expectation, it became, it became very, very normal. And so that was my life for, for several years. That's how I met Christina. She's one of my, um, technically one of my students, my, la my last school that I, I served at. And, and as I was uh, preparing to come home for a short-term uh, stay, I got a prophetic word. And in that prophetic word, uh, the, the person said to me, you know, you have been ministering to the bloated bellies of the poor for years, and the Lord is sending you back to your nation to minister to the bloated spiritual bellies of the wealthy. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I like it here. I like being in Africa. I like living, you know, the book of Acts every day, and I think America can do whatever they want, you know? Um, and and the Lord was like, like, no, you need to go back to your family. And, and the reason why that was such a huge thing for me was because I grew up in a Christian home and I had found myself loving the Lord through encounter, my siblings were on a vastly different course. And so while I was like, missionary Ellie, like my, all my siblings are just like running the other direction. And, and part, of the, part of the issue was that was encounter and surrender. And so if you're a parent in this room, if you're a grandparent in this room, if you find yourself where you're going like, how did this happen? Like, what's going on? I taught them this, I created space for them, so that, you know, all these different things. And a lot of it hinges on the encounter to, to see the word actually become alive, start to breathe in front of you. You know what I'm saying? And so for some of the people in this room where you're, you are praying in your loved ones and you're praying in people that are, um, have the head knowledge but not the experiential knowledge, start praying for encounter for them. I have on many occasions taken this very Bible and literally like smeared it on people's beds. Like, you know, the uh, Ezekiel 37 passage about the dry bones. I pray it, lay on their bed, pray it rub it. I don't know if that's like what you're supposed to do, but I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And I got results. <laughs> so I'm just saying that um, one time, I'll just share it. One time I was doing that with uh, a, a housemate and, and she, she was running from the Lord. And I found myself just praying in the spirit, like in her room. And would go in and I would literally just like do what the Lord told me to do like open up to certain scriptures that were talking about dry bones or like things coming to life or like you know um the passage where you know Elisha like lays on the child you know and like all the stuff so I'm just like acting some of those things out we're actually going to be in Ezekiel tonight but um different passage and so I started to do those things and just like stealth obviously not when like nobody not when anyone else was home <laughs> but I started to do those things, and then one day I had just got done doing my active prayer move in my friend's room, went back to my, my bedroom, and, um, 
And I just kind of just hung out and stuff. And then I heard the door open. I was like, oh, I think that's Sarah. Okay. Was that Sarah? I was like, maybe it's Sarah. Maybe it's, I don't know. You know, whatever. And then like a few, <laughs> I heard like a few steps and then a, then a big like, Ellie, what did you do? And she's getting hit by the spirit. And totally starting, like things were starting to break off. She was shaking. So I like ran over there and started, so I was like, I was like, I'm like, Sarah. And she's like, I know, you know? So it started to get messy. And wouldn't you know that about five minutes later, our dear friend Yanko comes and knocks on the door and he's like, I just thought that maybe we could worship. And I was like, perfect time. Because <laughs> sometimes stuff tends to leave when there's worship happening, you know? So why don't you worship over here? Sarah's gonna get some deliverance. It's gonna be great. So, um, so he did. He just kind of sat like cross-legged and started just kind of just worship. And we just like prayed for her and she just got delivered. I share all that because, not because um, there's something fantastic going on with me. It's because God is that good. God is that awesome. And that God is, is so waiting for us to partner with him as the ultimate power source. And the very things that we box him, box him in and we make him palatable for us. We make him palatable for like the American church. We make whatever box that we have found him in. Um, we're not seeing breakthrough here simply because one, we're not surrendered to it. We're overthinking it. We're not coming childlike because if, um, if a child, if, if I were to grab a kid from the other room and, um, you know, start asking them like, okay, like, do you think anyone in this room needs, needs healing? And they'd kind of look around and be like, yeah. And they would probably find whoever it was that was hiding in this room and he's healing and start praying for them and you would probably see a result. Simply because there's no um, fear in them of failure. Like they're just innocent and they're pure. And when we come as childlike and pure and um, undefiled in our imaginations before the Lord, he, he takes that and he uses that. And um, so in that place, I started to also understand that um, I... I want to carry the presence of God so much that I shift the atmospheres that I'm in. I have to believe that, that I shift the atmospheres that I'm in simply because I am, I'm a carrier of, of, of God, of a living God. And so whatever workplace you're in, whatever street you live on, whatever um, grocery store you go into, like you name it, whatever results, wherever you get your coffee, like whatever, you know, toll roads you go on for work, whatever, airports, like all of those things, do not put yourself in a limitation that you can't actually shift that person's day or that, that person's life simply by just listening and just being present and being available and, you know, <laughs> smearing your Bible or doing whatever it is that you feel like the Lord is telling you to do and be, and be available. And, I want to encourage you in that because um, because we're gonna we're gonna miss opportunities. I'll also tell you another thing. When I started to really understand how to hear the voice of God, um, not just for myself but for other people, the practicality of that was exercised through in exhortation, encouragement, comfort, all those sorts of things. So I found myself being in places where the Lord would just be like telling me to compliment people and encourage people. And sometimes I just wouldn't do that because I was like, oh, I don't want to, that's like embarrassing or blah, you know, and I was actually sharing this story with Jimmy, like why, why I, I feel the release to be bold 
to pray for people or just just speak things out um, because in areas where I failed is, is simply because of this this story. When I was living in Australia, um, I was really starting to hear the voice of God in a, in a specific way, like I said, for other people and getting prophetic words and understanding of those things. And, um, and again, it was coming in simple ways, but I was allowing cultural norms or differences, things that I was seeing outside that might like, you know, cause me not to um, respond in the way that God wanted me to. And so there was this particular woman named Anna who was from South Korea, wonderful woman, intercessor. Um, she was in her probably 50s at the time single had come over to Australia to minister and just to do um, some teaching English courses and things like that. And the Lord on multiple occasions told me to tell her that she's beautiful. And I, and on, in those multiple times, I was like, I can't do that. She's 50 some years old. She's South Korean. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to, like, culturally with the compliments and the different things and because she's single and, like, all the stuff, like, she might think, you know, and I just had this, like, little argument on and on and on with the Lord. And, and over the course of about a three-month period, um, not only in Australia but also in an assignment in Egypt, I told the Lord no, like, multiple times. And I kind of just was like, I would switch it to something else instead of being like, Anna, you know what, I just, you're just so beautiful. Instead of just saying this really simple thing, I'd be like, how's it going, Anna? Like, you know, <laughs> kind of just like, just have these conversations. Well, roughly about three, like three months in and maybe like a couple months into um, these kind of random situations, Anna actually committed suicide. Oh. She killed herself while we were on mission in Egypt. And you know, in the, in the situations where you you come to places that are the warfare is so so acute and so mind-boggling and so oppressive and so isolating that you could find yourself on a mission from the Lord and then also decide like I need to kill myself and and here I was like a young 20 something absolutely knowing that that wasn't my fault but absolutely knowing the Lord was trying to save Anna and the Lord knew that she was in a battle. And through my wrestling with the Lord in those conversations, he was basically saying, Ellie, I was getting your attention to just trust me and speak life, okay? Speak life into my daughter because she wasn't hearing my voice. And you know what? There were other people that weren't, that also I wanted to speak life and also weren't. He was just kind of laying it out, like, you know, where you kind of like see the mess in the kitchen, you see, you know, kind of things behind the curtain. And it was a really good example for me. And something, it's not something that I can't say that beats me up, but it's a place of saying like, I, I missed it. And, and I had the ability to speak life into an area where, where death was abounding and I didn't know. And because of my own fear of man or my own constructs of like cultural things, instead of just letting it be a very simple, beautiful, honoring thing to this person, um, I overthought it and I undershot it and it was a contributing factor to this person that remained isolated to the point where they took their own life. And so when it comes to the prophetic and it comes to speaking life into other people, you know, we know the scripture says that, you know, um, Jesus, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
Okay, and so that is the ultimate prophetic where you understand that that first love reality, always speaking life to the point where it's bringing people back to their first love reality, the understanding of who Jesus is, understand he is our prize, he is our inheritance. You look all through the Old Testament, every single prophet, what they were doing to Israel, they were like, return, 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 return. They were speaking into the very heart of their identity to understand their covenant relationship with God. And so in, in the areas of the prophetic, oftentimes our words of knowledge for people are simply <laughs> those actions of return, return to the Lord or return to your first love or, or exhorting them in that place of intimacy or that place of identity, which was in the case for, for Anna because the Lord was the Lord is the one who speaks identity into people. He's the one that, that have formed us in the innermost parts in our mother's womb, and he knows what frame and he knows what form is in us. And so he has the one that speak those identifiers into those people, regardless of whether we see that or not, the Lord is speaking that, and that's who they are. And so when it comes to the encouragement of the body, when it comes to the exhortation of the body, um, it is vitally important that we don't skip past some of those things. It, it can be a life or death situation. And so sometimes, you know, um, I find myself in a very simple way, um, especially when I'm at a grocery store. And I know a lot of us do like click list and all those sorts of things. But when you're at a place where someone actually has a name tag, start asking the Lord about their name, even in like the 30 seconds that you're there, what, you know, what are you saying about, you know, Deborah here? Or what are you saying about Joe here? Whatever. And just getting like, because you start to get on a first name basis with them just by asking the Lord. And, and it can just come in a very quick place of encouragement of simply just being, you know, courteous, also speaking their name out, but also just being like, hey, you know, I just want to encourage you. Or is there anything I could be praying for you about? I don't have to stand here. I know you've got a line, but is there something I can be praying for you about? Da, da, da. All those sorts of things. So I just want to encourage you in this place that, you know, you have an opportunity to speak life every day, every day. And you also have an opportunity to speak death. You know, where Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now we like to, we like to uh, quote the first part, but the second part, we don't really. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Some of us love death. We, love, we actually love speaking death over ourselves, over our situations, over our city. And you know what we're doing? We're eating it now. We're feasting on it, and that's what's feeding. It's feeding the bitterness. It's feeding the doubt. It's feeding the depression. It's feeding the anger. It's feeding the, you know, the false ceiling over us for the breakthrough in our family, our finances, whatever. And um, we need to stop. We, we really need to stop. And the other aspect of it is that, like, ask the Lord how to love life, like how to speak life. I, I want to I wanna effervesce and overflow with life to the point where it is, it is so obvious that it's you. Like, it's, because it's so supernatural, it's not something that I could possibly muster up because that is exhausting. <laughs> to be that, like, over, you know, overflowing and all that all the time, it has to be supernatural. Otherwise, people, people have to identify it as, it's not just that, like, oh, that's just how she is or that's how he is or whatever. It's like, no, it's because the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. He's the ultimate power source. He's the one that raised Christ from the dead. And I just happen to be really good friends with him. <laughs> pretty much helps me survive every day. 
So I want to encourage you um, in this hour, in this time, as we kind of move into kind of what we're going to do tonight as family, um, <clears throat> God wants to break out. He wants to break through, but he wants to break out in this church. Like, I'm, I'm so excited for you guys. You know, when I came on Father's Day, um, I'll pause for a second, how I got back to the United States, <laughs> really quick. Moved back here, the Lord gave me some really specific assignments regarding inner healing and deliverance and about um, unreached people groups and um, persecution and, and a bunch of different stuff. And so all that to say is I moved back, I got connected with some people, ended up uh, uh, co-founding the Transformation Center. I think that you guys have met Sarah Williams. So we founded that together in 2015. Um, and then over the course of that ministry, uh, I started to do some stuff in Monroe, Michigan with some friends, Jake and Hannah Loop, which you guys also know, Jake and Hannah. And I was kind of like dabbling, like helping. I don't know if you have those situations where you like off and on kind of help some friends. And, um, the Lord was speaking to me about like my next assignment and, and moving and some stuff that I wasn't quite sure about. And long story short, he, um, gave me a real heavy convicting word and he just kind of he said um <laughs> you know like you're coming up to Monroe like once a month or you're doing these things and um it's gonna be ouchy so I'm gonna tell you this is what the Lord said to me he said um you know the strongholds in that city are more committed to to it than you are you got to move so the kingdom is serious business and even though I wasn't taking it flippantly, it just wasn't enough. I, I had to physically move there. It wasn't enough that I was like going like once a month and like helping my friends. He literally said, the strongholds in that city are more committed to it than you are. You have to move. So there, there, there is an, an understanding of citizenship, of, <laughs> of, uh, territorial rights of rentership or ownership or you know ever you know citizenship right and there was an aspect where the lord was like hey you've got to do this and so in the course of that there was like a baton passing and a transition and tears and <laughs> all sorts of stuff so slowly transitioning out of my ministry here in toledo into um, birthing some things in monroe and um, the reason why I use the word birthing is because Bridget didn't bring this up, but um, when I moved back to the States, because I did a lot of healthcare overseas, one of the things the Lord spoke to me was like, hey, people aren't going to really understand that you can be a missionary in your own nation, you need a tent making. So like Paul was a tent maker, so when, you know, the church didn't help him out, he made tents and he sold them, he's like, you're going to be a birth doula and you're going to help people have babies. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so that's why I've been doing. So whenever I'm not doing stuff for the church and help people, helping people, you know, have their children. And that's also brought me into a path of um, working with people that are areas of injustice. So people that are in trafficking situations and they need comfort and they need support and they don't have the person with them, then I'm helping them in labor and delivery. People that um, are giving their children up for adoption and understanding that their parenting path is to allow someone else to parent, supporting them. Um, and then most recently, the last several years, um, being a birth doula in the prison system in Michigan. 
So um, all the while, if I'm not birthing stuff with the church, I'm birthing babies. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. So I wore my, my, my birthing headbands because the Lord told me that we're going to be birthing tonight. So just get ready. All that to say, so um, back here, your church, Father's Day. <clears throat> so when I came in, um, I just want you to know, and I just want to just share with you, like, I don't know the history of your church. I don't know all the work that you've done. I don't know the splits that you've been through or the non-splits. That you've, I don't know any of that stuff. But I, I want you to know that what was so wonderful and such a blessing was to feel just the purity of the love of the Lord in your sanctuary. And, you know, walking in, I, was, I mean, honestly, I'm just sitting here going, like, how, how can I serve these people? I'm here to serve them like a doula would. I'm here to help them have a baby. I'm here to help them birth whatever God has for them. Um, and what does that look like? And so you, you start to just take notice and you start to just pay attention and stuff. And so one of, honestly, one of the first things that I noticed about your church was just like you're truly just the atmosphere is really pure and light and devoted to the Lord. And whatever work that you've done within your hearts, whatever ways you've slayed the giants of religion and are slaying those things um it's fragrant like it really is like and I was like okay cool other than like I probably can't like get too wild with my hands I'm just gonna <laughs> worship the Lord in this place and I don't have to be on a on alert like does that make sense like sometimes you can go places and you feel like you have to be at attention and you're like half paying attention and half not um it was a privilege and it, even tonight it's such a privilege just to worship with you guys just enjoy the Lord together and just to give him our kisses and our loves and our devotion, you know. And, and the other thing that, that the Lord really highlighted while I was with you was when Pat was doing announcements. And what was great about that moment was he was sharing, you know, all right, the kids are going to, you know, kids, kids, uh, you know, Sunday school or whatever. And so if you haven't been here before, it's kind of like a stampede. And he was like saying all this stuff. And he used that word specifically, stampede. And he's like, it's kind of, and you know, and as he was saying that, like, and then we like, release the kids, you know? And like all the kids just like go running. And so I'm watching all the kids run and I'm watching the parents just like not flinch. Like not like even, there was not like a parent that was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like there was not like a place where somebody was trying to like wrangle their kid. They were like, well, yeah, like this is just what we do. Like that's who they are. Like, yeah, like literally like don't move. They'll go by like you won't get run over. And it was honestly, it was so beautiful because what the Lord was showing me in that moment was there's so much freedom in this house that these kids are actually going to know no different because they know that their inheritance is in this space that's just theirs. Those classrooms, those rooms, those teachers, those activities, whatever, that's theirs. And they know that they can like run to it and just go after it and, and, and it's available always every Sunday <laughs> and so they get there as quick as they can and so I and I told Pastor Jimmy this I said what was so beautiful about that is that that generation will know no different and that understanding of that that what is theirs is theirs and you better run run after it and you better go for it and no one's going to hold you back no one's going to scold you no one's going to hinder your love and your devotion and the things that are yours are yours like you know and and it was it was very much like uh 
like a picture of like the, you know, the Joel 2 army where it talks about, and they're not jostling for position. You know what I mean? They're, they're shoulder to shoulder. That's what your kids were actually doing. But adults, <laughs> I, what I feel like the invitation is, and that's some of what we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight, is um, that is for you as well. And I'm not in any way picking on anybody, but I'm a little bit picking on you <laughs> to say that there's more. There's just, there's absolutely more. He loves you that much. He's not asking you to be anybody else, but the things that are inside of you that are still un, un, um, untapped um, and, and have not come to pass. If there's, if there's anybody in this room that's, you know, like 60 and older, well, you could be, you may have been working on an arc all these years. I don't know. Like some of you might be working on something for decades and decades and decades and you still haven't seen it, but it's coming. Some of you could be in a Sarah situation where literally you're about to birth a ministry and you're old age and it's going to be a sign and a wonder. Some of you had promises like Caleb when you were 40 and you're still waiting for it, but the Lord's like, you're going to be just as strong and just as virile and just as, as on it as the day he promised it and when you receive it you'll be ready for it you'll be equipped and you will take it you will take that hill country and so i want to encourage you in that place that that it's in god's timing absolutely it's in god's timing and some of it also has to do with the generation that is supposed to possess those things sometimes we forget that um and i'll be i'll be really frank with you you know i've been serving the lord for most of my adult life and um and i can joke about it too is because like i'm a 41 year old woman who's not married who doesn't have children but I'm like, clearly I'm on a Sarah plan. <laughs> like, I'm like, I didn't know that was going to be part of my story, but here we go. Like, I'm like, okay. And I say that because I, I strongly believe, and this is something that the Lord spoke to me, because it doesn't have to do with my age, but it has to do with the generation that my children will be born into and what they will cause on the earth. And so for some of you in this room that are praying for your kids, your grandkids, having children, all those sorts of things, it absolutely has to do with how important they are to the generation that they're a part of. And so even your ministry, the vision that God's given you, the things that have not yet broken out, it's, it has very little to do with us and, and so much more to do with the impact that it's meant to do in the sphere and the surrounding that it's a part of. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you in that, where if you feel, um, you know, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, that that, that deferment is, is not what the Lord has for you. But it's a, it's a revelation of surrender of saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not seeing from where, where you're sitting, and so I, I need your help to kind of come up out of this valley and into a place of faith and into a place of hope in those places. Um, so I want to encourage you in that. So we're going to take a page from the kids. So we're going to be in Ezekiel 47 tonight. I won't, I promise I won't stay long in the scripture because I want to pray for you guys, um, pray with you guys. Um, yeah, so if you, if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, uh, turn to Ezekiel 47. Um, and we're not going to get, I mean, 
if you're not familiar with Ezekiel, Ezekiel was just just a a wild one <laughs> when it comes to the prophets because he was very theatrical. He was doing all these symbolic things, and he did, you know he did a ton of really radical things for the Lord, and you know called called Israel to task so you know they wouldn't lose everything to Babylon, and you know and sure enough they did and. You know, this whole passage has a lot to do with, uh, you know, God reminding them that he wants to make their hard, you know, take their hearts, hard hearts and turn it, you know, give them a new heart. And, and once we get to 47, he's already, you know, they've already kind of gone through like the judgment and, you know, all the um, exile and everything and like God's presence leaving the temple and it's in Babylon and, you know, there's so much idolatry, there's all this stuff going on and and we see towards the latter parts of this book where there's the hope of the promises of God. There's a hope of the restoration of inheritance and what the Messiah is bringing and, um, you know, Israel's hope and inheritance. But then also you have the hope and the inheritance that's going to come to the nations and also like the restoration of creation. So this passage, what we're stepping into with Ezekiel 47 is kind of, We've already heard what Israel's going to get. We've already heard what's going to happen in the nations. And now it's kind of like, this is what's going to happen to all of creation. Okay? Um, Cliff Notes version. Um, the other aspect I would say before we get into this is that, you know, obviously we know some of the prophetic visions are actually literal and some of them are symbolic. There's a lot of people that are hard fast that this is a very literal Thing that's going to happen in some people that are symbolic. I leave that to your discretion. We're reading this mostly because this is exactly the passage the Lord told me was for your church. So as we go through this, I'm going to pray for us, but also know that this is very much a corporate word. This is absolutely for your church, but it's also for you as individuals. So if you represent a household, I encourage you to take this back to it with your spouse, your kids, whoever, if they're not here tonight, um, because there's an invitation here. Um, but also that the Lord, through his spirit, would lead you guys as a church um, corporately with what this word is in this season. So I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, Father, we just, we thank you. We thank you for, um, for who you are, and we thank you for your love, that you are a father over this big, huge, beautiful family. And so I just, I bless this house. I bless um, your spirit in this house. I bless the love of your word in this house. I bless the season that they're in. They're going out and they're coming in. They're rising up and they're lying down. I pray that your word would be like a sword, Lord, just that would pierce through and separate between flesh um, and spirit and bone and marrow, that you would get into the nooks and crannies of um, our being and, and help us surgically remove the things that are hindering us and, and allow for us to see with fresh eyes and soft hearts uh, what your spirit is doing in this hour and in this time. And we love you and we want to come out of this time together loving you more because um, you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Ezekiel 47, water from the temple. <clears throat> so this is Ezekiel talking because he had, uh, you know, like a helper, like a guide, kind of taking him through and showing him the temple and showing him kind of all the things that were going, going on in the chapter four. Okay, 
Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east, and the water was flowing down from under, from, from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east. And behold, water was trickling from the south side. Now I'm going to pause right here because you guys have a lot of entrances and exits to this church. And um, I've been here, this is my third time here, <laughs> and that's something I noticed. So um, not because it's like, hey, you need to market better. I'm just saying that if, there, if you are somebody that feels like, all right, I'm taking this passage and it's blueprint, and now I'm going to come and be like east and west and north and whatever, like go for it. If that's what God is telling you to do, like with this passage, then do it. Like, there, like take, take whatever God is showing, has shown me, take it deeper and farther and, and wider than, than I could because you know way more about you than I do, right? Okay, said my piece, we'll keep going. <laughs> Three, when the man went out towards the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he led me through the water, water reaching the ankles. Okay, so a thousand cubits is like a third of a mile, okay? And what I want to say about that, so when the man went out towards the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and, um, wait, no, we're going to go back, sorry, two. He brought me out by, by the way of the north gate and he led me around on the outside to the outer gate by way of the gate that faces east and behold, water was trickling from the south side. Okay, so some of you in this room are a little impatient. <laughs> about how things are flowing. And I want to say that it's going to get deeper and it's going to get better, but the Lord is the one that measures how that works out, okay? He's the one that has the rod. The Holy Spirit is the one that actually guides us and leads us on how that's going to flow, right? We didn't say that before, so I'm going to say that now. All right, three. When the man went out towards the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits, so a third of a mile. He led them through the water, water reaching ankles. So I don't know about you. I don't know if any of you guys are river rats here. Maybe you are. Maybe you love kayaking. Maybe you like being in streams. But if you've ever walked a third of a mile in water to your ankles, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave an impression on you, okay? And so I, I want, as we're going through this, for you to be thinking about not only the effort that it takes, but the intention of your guide, okay? Because if the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you individually and as a church to keep going in a measured pace out into the city or out into the highways and byways, I don't know what a third of a mile from here would be, the destination C4. would be. Okay, Secor, awesome then what, what are you seeing along that journey towards Secor, measured out by the Holy Spirit, walking with him ankle deep? Okay, ankle deep in refreshment, ankle deep in anointing, ankle deep in presence, ankle deep in gift. Do you know what I'm saying? So be thinking about that. So here we are ankle deep and it's work, right? But there's purpose in it, so we move forward. Four, again, he measured a thousand um, and led me through the water, water reaching the knees. Okay. <laughs> now we're another third of a mile into the city and we're knee deep 
in water, okay? What have you observed? Like now you're deeper in his presence. Now you're deeper in assignment. Now you're deeper into the things of God, into the gifts, into the refreshment of the spirit, into the fruits of the spirit, all of those things. And you're further into, and that's what's so interesting about this passage, you're further into dead areas, okay? The reason why this passage is so significant is because Ezekiel is, in this passage, you, you are learning about a river that is mighty in an area of desert that leads to the Dead Sea. And I don't know about any of you, but there's probably been times where you've been rather frustrated about good old holy Toledo. And even me saying holy Toledo feels a little bit like, like, you know, and, and so I, I want to say that, that isn't it interesting how the deeper that we go in the Lord, the quicker it leads us to dead areas. And we wonder to ourselves, why God? I'm so alive in the Lord, and why are you sending me the dead things? Well, because dead things need to be resurrected. So if you find yourself a little disenchanted about what's going on around your church, well, here you go. Here's your assignment, and we're only knee-deep, right? So some people might look at this passage and say, okay, knee-deep, what do I do on my knees? A lot of times I do my, my best praying on my knees, you know, any of those things. And so maybe if you find yourself in this current season with the Lord, you find yourself really on your knees. You're knee deep in the spirit. And actually that's leading you to a really vibrant place in your prayer life and an understanding of, you know, words of knowledge and prophecy and all those sorts of things because, you know, you're surrendered to the point of your knees. Okay. But it's been work. So we move on. Again, <clears throat> he measured a thousand and led me through the water, water reaching the loins. And when I think about this for me in this passage, I think about the uh, armor of God. And I think about the first thing that you put on is the belt of truth, right? Holds everything up. All right. So I don't know about you. Again, going back to you uh, wading through. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a situation with the Holy Spirit where you feel like it's really thick and it's hard work, but you're like literally wading through a third of a mile in. So again, we're a third of a mile in, in the same direction into Toledo. So I don't know where that is, but um, imagine how much more help you would need <laughs> with the presence of God, with the truth, with with being armored up, like with, with being having the stamina and having the fortitude and do you know what I'm trying to say here? Okay, so now we're loins deep. Again, he measured a thousand, so another third of a mile, and it was a river that I could not ford, for the water had risen enough, water to swim in, and a river that could not be forded. There's probably people in this room right now that you find yourself in a position where you're like, I, I can't go further because my feet aren't on the ground and I'm not in control. So you've stopped. But you have a guide. You literally have a river guide, which is the Holy Spirit, right? And he can teach you how to swim through it because you're actually not supposed to do it on your own strength and your feet really aren't supposed to be on the ground. They're supposed to be in surrender to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? You get to swim. 
<laughs> and if you have trouble swimming, you know what you could do? You can just float, right? Go back to my original thing I was saying that God taught me how to soak when I was a kid. Sometimes things are overwhelming and you just gotta surrender and just soak and just rest a bit and let them speak to you or not speak to you, but you're together, right? So some of you might find yourself in really deep waters right now. And it's deep waters surrounded by dead things. And it feels hard and it feels lonely, but you're not alone, right? Because you have the Holy Spirit, right? He's with you as the guide, measuring it out, taking you deeper and deeper. Okay. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Okay. So saying this in love, submitting it really low. Some of you are really content with watching the kids just run and oh my gosh isn't that precious that's wonderful we love them so much that's the cutest thing da, 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 da. and you are super content with not getting in the river you're super content with not going anywhere but in this passage we see the guide the holy spirit asking he's saying son of man have you seen this before then he brought me back to the bank of the river ezekiel physically had to get in the river he could not be a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not possible to be in a covenant relationship with someone who's like in the river and you're not in the river. Like you're not one. Like you can't, it doesn't work that way. So in, in this invitation, there's a place of saying, okay, he's saying, son of man, have you seen this before? <laughs> and Ezekiel hadn't seen that, but you know what? It's okay if you haven't seen this before. It's okay if all of a sudden, you know, Bridget goes off on the spontaneous song and you're like, where's she going? I haven't seen this before. And the Holy Spirit, like, Has you, have you ever seen this before? No, but I'm in the river and I'm not by myself and this is okay. And it's been measured out for me. I didn't even do the measuring. The Holy Spirit did it with me and he guided me to this place. And where we're headed in worship right now i feel we took a journey and now i'm like knee deep and i need to just be praying about what god's doing or i'm waist deep and i'm in this place where i'm like i really need your truth right now because i'm like halfway to like sinking and this is a lot or gosh we're like so far in the river and someone just got a prophetic word and now like there's words of knowledge going and now i just gotta swim you know what i'm saying so he, he so has you, he, he so has you, but you, you have to get, you have to get in the river. Um, seven, now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, these waters go out towards the eastern region and go down into the Arabah. Then they go towards the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of the sea become fresh. So he took him out of the river. He took him out of this whole measured place. So again, I'm not saying that this is literal, but I'm not, not saying that it's literal. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so... All you GPSers out there who, if you feel like you want to take it a third of a mile, a third of a mile, a third of a mile, and see how far you go out of the 
Eastern Gate, South Gate, Eastern Gate, go for it. I don't know. Right? See how far that takes you into the heart of Toledo. It might be getting you closer to some really dead things <laughs> that need you to swim and bring fresh water to, okay? So, he says, um, all right, and they, then they go towards the sea, being made to flow into the sea, and the waters of, of sea become fresh. Um, Imagine the things that the, the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you, but you have to trust him to the point where everything around you, that you, you have streams of living water inside you, right? This is why this is a personal word. But corporately as a church, you have water flowing from your temple, starts as a trickle, and then all of a sudden becomes like a raging river into the heart of really dead things in the city to the point where you're kind of like, what the heck? This whole region was completely dead, and now it's a life. And it's streaming with life, and it's overflowing with life to the point where people are like, what the heck happened to Toledo? Well, I don't know. I think that there was a river that was coming out of Washington Church or something. <laughs> Right? Right? I don't know. So, nine. It will come about that every living creature... Come on, Jesus. Right? Every Toledo, that Toledo would be saved. Every household. Thank you, God. That your house would be full. Come on. It would come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. Mm -hmm. Right? Amen. They will live and not die. Mm -hmm. And there will be very many fish, for these waters go there and the others become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Okay, fisher of men. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So many fish. So many fish. So, so, so many fish. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside it. From Engedi to Englemen, there will be a place for the spreading of nets. Think about that. He's equipping you to bring in a good catch. A live catch, not a dead catch. A live catch. And their fish will be according to their kinds, like the fish of the great sea, very many. So there's going to be a lot of diversity in this catch. It's important. It's important that every tribe and tongue and nation is before the throne. So you know what? You're going to be fishing for people that don't look like you. Right? Okay. But its it swarms and marshes will not become fresh, and they will be left for salt. Okay? So there's some areas. doesn't say that the fish, but it says that the areas might not come alive. But the fish will. Okay? So you might see some areas that feel dormant. But the people will come alive in it. Okay? And, and that could be worldliness. It could be that the things that are prized and 
esteemed and sought after and are built up as these monuments of worldliness have no life in them, right? But the people in them, they shift their allegiance because of the Holy Spirit, because of Christ in you, because of the living water that's inside you that you were bringing to these dead areas, and they become alive, and they, they actually disown the marshes, and they disown those spaces. Do you hear what I'm saying? By the river, on its bank, on one side and on the other will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Right? Don't you want to see people fed and don't you want to see people healed up? because it's coming straight from the throne and it's coming from the sanctuary of God and you are a royal priesthood and a holy generation, right? And so you have an opportunity as individuals but also as a body, as a family from this sanctuary to see streams of living water that lead to mighty rushing rivers into the city. Simply because the Holy Spirit invites you to go deeper, okay? And to allow him to lead you measure for measure into those spaces and equip you into the areas. So, so there are things that you are desiring in, in regards to uh, you feel the Holy Spirit moving. There's these trickles and there's these things going on. And some people are kind of like, this is too much. And some people are like, this isn't enough. Like, more pressure, you know. And, um, and you got to work together. The Holy Spirit is the guide. The Holy Spirit is, is the one that's going to show you what, what deep looks like and how to ford it, you know, like how to go. Um, so there's a lot of surrender involved and there's a lot of trust. I don't know about you, but if I was wading through water that was, you know, the ultimate power source and, you know, <laughs> the Holy Spirit filled, I probably couldn't be carrying a lot of other things. So some of the other stuff that personally I might be carrying, or maybe even the church, maybe there's some dead vision. I don't know. God knows, though. Maybe there's some dead things that are going on in here that can't actually go down the river with you, you know? So you have a prayer assignment. If you didn't know that tonight on this lovely rainy Sunday night, um, you have an opportunity to do some business with the Lord. Not only about what he wants to do from this sanctuary and from this temple and this space, but from you, the living water that's inside you, the depth that you are currently at. Um, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Period. Right? So, um, I will say this, is that, you know, when you look into Mark 11, where um, it talks about moving mountains, okay, that passage where it talks about, you know, if anyone has faith, you move this mountain, right? But then the next verse says, and if you have anything against anyone, <laughs> you need to forgive them. So I'm going to bring that up because that could be some of your baggage. 
you are like, why isn't this mountain moving? And my neighbor is the worst, <laughs> right? So you don't want it to be related, but it's totally related. Even though you don't want it to be related because she doesn't go to your church and she's not part of your small group. <laughs> but she's a child of God and she's so beloved of the Lord. And well, well, <laughs> um, so, so these mountains need to move, but we need to humble ourselves. And these assignments are totally doable because we have a guide. Um, and the cool thing about that is everyone's relying on the same guide, which is the Holy Spirit, right? It's not a person, it's the ultimate power source, right? Who has resurrection life and power. And so when you guys pray for this city and you measure these things out, um, trust God for some dreams. Trust God for some awakened vision. Trust God for some unity that you've just never felt or seen before. Some of you guys in this room, I know that I know our intercessors and you've been praying for this church and you probably were born in this church and some of you are third generation in this church and you know, whatever it might be. And it's not only here, but it's coming, okay? And so hang on, hang on. If some of you are in that place where you're like, I love swimming in the spirit and it's just my favorite thing and I just love it, I love it, I love it. And then there's other people that are like, I don't like getting wet. <laughs> Gotta figure out how to love each other in this and work together, help each other, be patient with each other, have self-control, be kind, you know? The fruitfulness of the spirit is very much needed in this. Um, this is what the Lord gave me on Father's Day for you. And I'm excited for you. So I told your pastor that if you need a doula, I'm in Monroe. Um, but I, I really genuinely am here to serve you guys and um, know that I love you. I'm cheering you on. I'm excited for what God's doing and what he's calling you to. Um, and so tonight is a time to chew and just a time to process. I, um, I want to pray with you um, and for you. If you are here with your spouse and you need prayer, I want you to come up together um, just so there's accountability in terms of like hearing the word. But the other thing is, is that I want, I want you to feel like I know that there's like a prayer team and all that sort of stuff here. You don't have to feel obligated to minister to anybody. If you feel that the Holy Spirit is like, yeah, go ahead and minister to that person, that's totally fine. But sometimes when we are on, we feel like the necessity to be on, and I just don't want you to have to feel that way. Just throwing it out there. I will literally stay here till midnight and pray for everybody because you're loved. And this is important. You're important. What you carry is important. Where you're at in this journey is important. What you bring to this body is important. This season's very important for Washington Church. And you know what? Um, the city isn't going to know what hit them. And that's exciting. Like, that is a, that is a beautiful thing. And so um, the invitation is to be like the kids, okay? And just to run in to what God has for you, ankle deep.
knee deep, waist deep, till you can't, you know? Imagine a kid just like running into you know, the ocean or a pool. Like that, that is the opportunity that God has for you guys in this season, in this hour, is to be fearless and to be faithful. Okay. Um, so I'm going to pray for us. I think we're just going to put like um, maybe just like overhead soaking music on or something. Um, and I, what I want to do, challenge you in, is to just really ask the Lord where you're at and do some business with the Lord. And if you need prayer or want prayer, really all I'm going to do is I'm going to agree with what God is already doing. Does that make sense? Because we're two or more are gathered, right, in my name. Putting 10,000 to flight, okay? So, so really it has more to do with your vertical conversation with the Lord first. And then if, you know, if you happen to be sitting here as a couple and then like the one person like squeezes the hands like, let's go. We'll let this Ellie lady pray for us. Um, I'm very happy to pray for you, um, pray with you. So does that sound okay? Okay. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.